right. Glory. Everybody good? It's good to see everybody. I was going to say good morning, but it's now afternoon at 12.01. So, you know, I just feel like God really wants to move. Not, not just here, but in our, in our country, in our state. Does anybody just, how many people feel that? All right, why don't we just stand up one more time and just ask God to move? Right? <laughs> Lord, we believe you want to move, Father. So we're asking that every man, every woman, every child, every boy, every girl, every teenager would come in contact with the living God of heaven, Lord. That holy fire would come into their bellies, Lord. That you would break the chains, you'd break the yoke, you'd break every bondage, you'd break every sin, you'd break every power, every principality, Lord. And we ask God for heaven to come now. Come, come upon this church, Father. God, we're asking you to revive our hearts today. Revive us, Lord. We confess, Lord, that sometimes our love has grown cold. And we're asking you to stir those embers inside of us. We're asking you, God, to fill us full of the measure of God that you have for us today. We just bless you. We just love you, Dad. You are a good dad. A great king. We just praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, wasn't it a beautiful weather week on one of these great days? I believe it was Wednesday. Um, I I took a stroll through uh, one of these beautiful pastures behind us. And uh, I was going back there because I figured I better, I was scheduled to preach this Sunday. <laughs> so uh, I figured I better ask the Lord what to say. And uh, so I, right as I got back there, I started walking. And about my 10th step, I looked down and there was about a five foot long black snake right there. I mean, I almost stepped right on the thing and it didn't move. It's just a little tongue was going. I actually took a picture of it on my iPhone to show the kids later. Um, But I was thinking, oh, my first thought was, well, that's not a very good sign, Lord. I'm coming here to seek you about what to say to the church in my first encounters with a snake. And the Lord said to me, you know, Matthew, sometimes the very thing that you think is put in your path to harm you, I put there for your good, to create something beautiful. And you know what they say about black snakes? Don't kill a black snake. Why? Because they eat other poisonous snakes, right? They eat other varmints, rats and rodents of all kinds and sizes. So I thought, you know, that's just like God, isn't it? The very thing that the devil thought was going to just put our life in the dumper for good, the Lord uses that thing and turns it around and makes something very beautiful. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, kind of reminds me of my life. About 12 and a half years ago, I was kind of in the dumper, you know, I was pretty beat down. I stumbled in this little old church. You know, my, my, I had gotten married young and my wife had left me and, you know, this, that, and the other. I had actually, to add insult to injury, broken my ankle, one of the worst things the, the, the uh, doctor had ever seen. And uh, I stumbled in this little church, had this little six-month-old baby in my arms. And, you know, things are about as low as they could be besides being saved. I think I was still saved, at least. And uh, so my life was in the dumper until 
12 years ago today, I married Sarah Ruth Moore. <laughs> what a lead up, right? I mean, that was a pretty good lead up, don't you think, Jason? <laughs> no, but literally, God used Sarah to, literally, it began a new day in my life, the day we got married out on the Linker farm. And I don't want to boast, but I can truly say, I feel like the most blessed man on the earth just to have not only been married to her for 12 years, but just to have a family, you know, and then beyond just our family, just our church, you know, the church family. Like Becky was saying about Pat wanting the family to be together. She wasn't just talking about her family. She was talking about all of us because we are the family. And uh, in the first service during worship, the Father God said to me, he goes, Matthew, you know what's so great about heaven? He said, the greatest thing about heaven is relationships. It's like, wow. I never, somehow in my understanding, I never conceptualized it that way. But he said, because relationships are the greatest thing on earth. I mean, how many grandparents just love to hang out with your grandbabies? You know, how many parents just love, just know those special moments with your children? Or what about a cup of coffee with your best friend? It, does it get any better than that? I mean, I sound like a Michelob commercial, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this, you know. But seriously, I mean, you know, with all religiousness aside, a beer with your best friend could be one of the best relational moments that you could have. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and the Lord was saying, that's what heaven is. Only it's perfect relationship. There's no sin. There's no you know, hidden motives that clouds those relationships. And I was like, man, you know, sometimes, not in a depressed state, but in a really good state, does anybody long for heaven? You know, it's like, I don't mean in a depressed mode, like, oh, God, I just got to get to glory. But, but actually in a good moment, you're like, man, this is so good. I can't wait for more. You know, and I just want to encourage you and Pat, if you're listening, that on the other side is really a moment when we're going to get to experience a relationship with those that have passed on beyond what we even had here. And, and I am really excited about that, not to mention to hang out with like Moses and stuff. You know, that's just going to be intense. So glory to God for that. <laughs> um, anyway, so my life was in the dumper. And <laughs> I met Sarah. We got married. And praise God, the Lord is a redemptive God, isn't He? How many people, just by a show of hands, have got, had God do over the last dozen years just a major like restoration in your life? Has anybody? Wow, look at that. Just in the past dozen years, this many people have just seen God do tremendous things. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about the heritage that we have, the spiritual heritage that we have. As Christians, and you talk about people with lives in the dumper. <laughs> Let's look at Exodus 33. I just want to glean from and take a glimpse, a snapshot, if you will, into this, to the lives of God's people at the time. And just as a quick reminder, I just want to refresh us as to where these folks had been uh, in the several years leading up to this point in Exodus 33, the Israelites. First of all, they had uh, been slaves for 400 years, right, in a foreign land, okay, with all that that would entail, you can imagine. 
Um, they saw God do all the amazing events in Egypt to get them out of that slavery, including the plagues and then this huge body of water that was kind of a big deal standing in their way. And he parted that so that they could walk across on dry ground and then drown the whole army that was chasing them. Um, they saw God upon their not-so-great hearts, their complaining hearts, honestly, rain down literally bread from heaven. Um, imagine hitting a rock and enough water in the desert coming out of that for four million plus people to get a drink. You know, that's an awful lot of water to come out of a rock. Hello, it's a rock, you know. And then because of, uh, again, because that wasn't good enough, and they're like, well, Lord, we're tired of eating manna. How about some meat? He sends quail to them, you know. So they see all these incredible things happen. And then they've got these uh, these honorary people, the Amalekites after them, and God enables them, or again, former slaves. I can't imagine that even though there was four million plus, they were a huge formidable military force, but he allows them to defeat the Amalekites. Um, um, so they finally arrive at Mount Sinai. Uh, God appears to them in a manifest, literal manifestation of the presence of God, uh, invites them to come up on the mountain and literally be a kingdom of priests. And uh, they politely decline, but they sent a representative. And Mo goes up there. And uh, then I think it's in around chapter 23 or so, they, uh, God says, sends an angel of protection for them. So they're seeing all these supernatural things happen. And then, this is one of my favorites. I'm just going to read this. It's not on the screen. But in Exodus 24, verse 9, Then Moses went up also, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stones. So these blue, paved the trail in blue there, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. So, I mean, how's that for an elders meeting? They literally had heaven come down on earth. I would venture to say that besides the Garden of Eden paradise, this was the next closest thing to a literal manifestation of heaven on the earth. These are all the things that these folks are experiencing. And after all that, after all that's said and done, and they're going to receive the love letter from the Father. We call it the Ten Commandments. We think of it more as a punishing rod than a love letter, but I don't believe that was the Father's intention. And after the, when they're going to receive that, and Moe's gone up for 40 days, and they're like, man, that, guy, that dude's dead. God killed him. You know, we saw the fire. He's, you know, his head's smoking. Let's build an idol. So they build the golden calf, of course. And here comes Moses, and just put yourself in his shoes. What would you do? After all these things that the Father's done, you come down, and all these people you're supposed to be leading are worshiping a daggum cow. And it ain't even mooing. Yeah, I mean, at least it could be mooing and giving some milk or something. Like, have some form of life to it. Nothing. He throws down the tablet, breaks them into a million pieces. Oh, that was a big oops. Oops. Didn't mean to do that, Lord. <laughs> and after all that, the Lord tells him to instruct the Levites to take up a sword. And would you believe they break out with swords and kill 3,000 of their brothers? Right there. Now, that's a bad day. 
<laughs> You've had a bad day. This is a really bad day. So you talk about things kind of being in the dumper, and that's kind of where we pick up in the story in Exodus 33.1. Let's, let's, let's glean a little bit here from this. I've got to get back to it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, and the Mosquito Bite. I'm going to drive all them guys out. The angel that's going to go before you. And honestly, guys, I believe in this new year. I believe the Lord has increased the messengers that He sent from heaven. I believe that the, that the angels of heaven... He's commissioned a whole bunch of those guys in our midst here today. And, you know, despite whether I've seen them with my physical eyes, I know I have a sense that God has sent them. Why has He sent them? And I feel like it's this. A new day requires new levels of breakthrough. And this is their assignment. This is a new year. This, on the Jewish calendar, this is a new day. It requires a new level of breakthrough. And as the author of Hebrews wrote, in Hebrews 1, 7, quoting, uh, I believe it was David in the Psalms, he said that the reason that his angels are here are for this reason. He said, my angels, the angels are messengers and they're flames of fire. And that word messenger there is literally like the word used for like people in the, in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul. You know, the messenger to the Gentiles. They are sent and commissioned with an exact and a purpose. And uh, I believe we'll still discover what those purposes are. But kind of like if right now as I'm speaking, you saw this whole front of the area paved with blue sapphires. How many people would get some faith in their heart? You know, like that God was real. <laughs> and that God was active. I think if we could have a moment to glimpse just for a second into the heavenly realm and we could see that same faith would be released in our hearts. So I believe that's God's intentions towards us today. Let's read on. I'm going to skip down to verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far, outside, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone to the tabernacle. And it came to pass, verse 9, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And the people, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. The Lord has sent his cloud to this church. Do you realize that? There is a manifestation of the cloud, the pillar of cloud of God that he has sent to this church. And uh, besides sensing that and experiencing that, and you guys know what I'm talking about, 
Besides that, over and over again, we have guests that come here and speak, and time and time again, they, they allude to it. They mention something about it. They discuss the presence of the Lord that God has just sovereignly put here. I think it's a grace thing. I don't think we're necessarily like special in God's sight. I mean, we're all special, but you know what I'm saying? Other than, any, than any other church, I just believe that God desires to move. He desires places of His habitation throughout America and the world. And this is one that He's chosen and said, I'm going to live here. And despite some of, the, some of the cyclical nature even of our church life, you know, well, man, Pastor Byron, it just doesn't feel like it used to back in 2006 or whatever. You know, despite the cycles of the feelings or the experiences or whatever, even though a lot of that's going on, God's presence remains. His presence is here to stay. And uh, remember Alejandro Roos from Chile was just here months ago, and, and he had been here exactly a year prior. And the year prior, there was real expressive demonstrations and manifestations of the Spirit. This past year, not as much, but his testimony to, to us was like, listen, you guys, the presence is still here. It still remains. So please be encouraged. Despite what you've gone through in the last year personally, despite the challenges and the hardships, His presence remains. And really, I titled this message this morning, The Value of His Presence, because I felt like in that pasture back there, the Lord wanted to remind this church that my presence is here to stay. My presence won't leave. It's here to stay. Why? Because you've asked for it. Because you've gone after it. For 17 plus years, that's been your heart's desire. That's been your pursuit. And those that call to me out of a pure heart, I will answer them. I feel like the Lord was just wanting to encourage us and to bring us back and as a reminder from time to time of these key foundations of the ministry He's given us. One of those key foundations is grace. Okay? of which I'll allude to, but we hear messages on that repeatedly, right, over the years. And I believe another one of those is this, the value of His presence. So as the children of Israel have reached this point, then uh, let's go to verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. Now remember his frustration. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me, Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now here's the grace thing. Let me put that on pause, though, and back up just for a moment. If you can imagine speaking with Father God, speaking with the Sovereign of creation, as a man speaks with his friend face to face. And I looked up that word friend up in the Hebrew, Dean. You know what it is? Friend. It's, it's really intense and deep. It's close friend, you know. It's like, if you can imagine that kind of a communication, the one thing Moses needed at this point was a word from the Lord, you know. And I want to reiterate to you, in this season of maybe frustration or challenge or hardship or facing your giants, in this season, run to the presence, run to the Lord, receive the word from God. Just this week, we had another situation in the family where we needed a breakthrough. Have you ever, you know you need a breakthrough. That's no secret. How to get it is the challenge. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you could follow the principles that you heard from, you know, whatever, your favorite TV preacher or whatever. But 
that's not quite what it is or what you need, you know. And you can read 28 Christian books on it, but, you know, it's just, you still, you know the anxiety level. As the, as the difficulty goes on, that anxiety meter starts rising. And, you know, before you know it, you're in danger of, you know, giving birth to an Ishmael, if you know what I mean. Like, you're in danger of your own strength. Well, that just kind of gives you a picture of kind of where we were at. And finally, um, one morning, I was up early, just, and I wasn't even seeking the Lord about that, but the Lord spoke to me, and He gave me these three keys. And I went to Sarah, and, and we were talking about it, and we literally just began to cry. Because finally, I felt faith in my heart for the situation. Why did I feel faith? Because faith comes how? By hearing, and hearing by the by the Word of God, by the preceding Word of God. Grab on to the Word. Don't leave home without it. You know, this is commercial day. You know, <laughs> grab a hold of the Word. That, because all of a sudden I thought, man, I, I have faith now. I have not my faith. I have not like mustered up hope that God will move in the situation. I know God's going to move. Why? Because I received the Word, and I wrote it down on my iPhone notepad, too. I got a hold of that. So that's just another little freebie there. Just chew on that one for a while. In verse 14, verse 13, so Moses is kind of continuing his grumbling, and he says, Now therefore I ask, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. I believe the Lord has released grace. There's, there's a renewed measures. It's probably part of the ministry of the angels that He's commissioned, but there's a renewed and increased levels of the grace of God, both the unmerited favor of God and the power to live grace of God that He's released to us. So if you can hear that in your heart, grab a hold of that. Say, man, I... Just take another grace portion today, Lord. I just receive another grace portion today. And here's where this grace, here's one of the applications of this grace. In verse 14, and he said, this is the Lord, this is the word now, the actual word. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I see a lot of tired people right now, including me. <laughs> I see a lot of tired people. And the Lord's saying today, take a deep breath. Go ahead, take a deep breath. Go ahead. Don't forget to exhale. Because, <laughs> you know, when times are tough, you do a lot of... Face is started blue. <laughs> you know? Trying to bear down, bless God, I'm going to believe God. I can do it. I'm the first and not the last. You know, I, you know, there might be a time for that, but God's like, you know what? Just take a rest. Take a rest. Let's go back to the author of Hebrews. In Hebrews 3, the last part, this is what he says here. He talks about the Sabbath rest of God, and I personally don't think that's Sunday. You know, <laughs> I think the Sabbath rest is much bigger and much broader than Sunday. And, in addition, I don't believe the Sabbath rest has anything necessary. Well, it could have something, but it's not only about actually what you're doing or not doing. 
It's not just about not doing any work, not mowing your grass on Sundays. The Sabbath rest is an internal peace. It's an internal state of being that He gives you. And just like Byron's leading us through the book of Ephesians, what's the first major theme in the first couple chapters of Ephesians? What's the posture? In what form? Sit, right? Sit. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. Sit, walk, and stand, right? Towards the end. So I believe that's the posture is in the heavenly realms. You are at rest. So just tell yourself throughout your stress, throughout your busy day, by faith, I'm at rest. A challenge with one of your kids comes, I'm at rest, Lord, in this situation. You know, a bad rapport, I'm at rest, Lord, in all these situations. I believe right now, we are in a time of great difficulty in America. I'm definitely not a prophet and don't aspire to be one. But at the same time, I do have the sense that there's some, let's just put it this way, some challenges that lay ahead for the United States in the next coming months. And I believe that's one of the reasons why angelic activity has increased, why it's important that we walk in grace and rest, why it's important that we learn to lay hold of the Word of God and live our lives accordingly. Are you with me? In verse 15, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Oh, by the way, you know what the greatest enemy of rest is in Hebrews? We never got that up, that's all right. You know what the greatest enemy is? And it, they, the author of Hebrews is talking about these people. They, never, they were never able to enter into his rest because of what? That's it. Because of unbelief. Now, what's the opposite of unbelief? It's not a trick question. Faith. How do you get faith? By hearing the Word of God, right? You see how these things all combine together. Faith, grace, rest. It's all part of God's package makeup that he's, he's given us right now. Let me just wrap this up. In verse 15, Moses hears the word, and he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. And I got written here at the top of my paper. This is the first thing the Lord showed me out of this passage about this church, is that we are a people that have said this very thing. Lord, we're a people at our place where our heart's cry is, if your presence will go with us, then we will go. If your presence, Lord, will go, if your presence will remain in this church, then we'll keep pressing on. If not, I don't know, let's pack it in, you know? Let's watch football. You know what I mean? But honestly, there's, there's better things to do. But Lord, if your presence will remain and go with us, we can walk through the fire and not be burned. We can overcome all the enemies that dare to defy the living God in us. And the Lord, let me just finish this. For how then will it be known, verse 16, that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. The Lord's saying that to somebody in this room today. You have not known the Lord. And He's saying, I know you by name. And I'm calling you, my son, my daughter, I'm calling you to myself right now. 
And he just wants you to know that he sees where you're going through. And he's standing right here literally like this. Yeah, that's it, Brina. Just wide open as a good dad waiting for you to just come and enter in. You know, an embrace requires two people, not one. As much as God would like to reach out and give you a hug and put his arms around you, he cannot unless you respond. He's waiting for you to come, you to respond. And I just want to say to you, and you know who you are, you feel that little adrenaline rush in your body. You feel that little thing. Come up here as we're closing and let me know. Say, man, that's me. Will you pray with me? And God wants to do something phenomenal in your life. But let me close with these three things that I felt like he gave me in the, in the pasture back there for you, for all of us. It's, it's this. Um, we don't want to proceed without his presence because of, number one, his weighty presence breaks off the weight of the world. And, uh, you know, how many know it? In this time of 2011 and beyond, probably in no other, there's not been no greater challenge in our lifetimes at least than this day that we live in. And the weight of the world is a pretty heavy thing to carry. You know what I'm talking about. And God provided an answer for that. And it's called His grace. And it's called His rest. And many times, that comes through the weighty kabod, the word, the weighty glory of God coming upon us. And some of you may not be familiar, may be new, you may not be familiar with the way that the Holy Spirit moves, and, but, but probably you've seen somebody fall down, at least on Benny Hinn show on TV or something. And the reason that that happens is because spiritually, the weighty presence of God comes and physically manifests in a way that your body just doesn't want to, you know, you just want to get on the floor. And uh, so the, the Lord's presence is coming. As we pray here in a few minutes, some of you really need to experience that kabod. You really need to experience the weighty glory of God. And I'm going to invite you to come up and do just that. Secondly, we don't want to proceed without His presence because like Byron preached on last week, His presence is the answer to a spiritual perspective on life. Because outside of His glory, the weight of the world seems unconquerable for me. Many times I can start out to thinking I can conquer that. And how does that work out for you? Striving, hardship. Usually you don't win. Even if you do, you don't. You know? And the presence of the Lord went with the Israelites because He knew what they were getting ready to face, right? It wasn't an over for them. And the same with us. He knows what you're facing. And by the way, you remember last week Byron was talking about the cyclical nature of our spiritual lives? How we're up and we're on fire and then little by little we don't feel it anymore and we kind of like, well, where's God? And, you know, then we might, our hearts might be drawn to something else and then God moves again and we're on fire and then it ebbs. You know that? Well, guess what? That's how the children of Israel were because the Lord was giving us a picture in the Bible of how things would happen. But there's an answer to that. I got new, good news for you. And guess what it is? Grace. It's the grace of God because that's why Christ came. He delivered us from that spiritual state. But I'm a testimony to tell you, but for the grace of God, you will continue to beat yourself through that cycle. I hate to tell you that, but I don't. I wish it weren't so, but it is. 
Because we have this thing that the Bible calls a conscience. And the conscience is actually different from the Holy Spirit. And the conscience is a guilty conscience that says, you see you, you know, say you're in the downward trend. What's wrong with you? You haven't read your Bible in two weeks. You know, when was the last time you saw your prayer answer? And where's God now? And your family's fine. You know, all these things. Is that God? No. It's called an evil conscience. The accuser of the brethren is standing there at the door. And I just want to encourage you right now, if you find yourself, wherever you are on that cycle, but especially in the downward trend, trust in the grace of the Lord. Just know that the blood of Christ has already made a way for you. You have found grace and you have found favor in His sight. Amen. Yeah. Last, we don't want to proceed without His presence because it establishes His authority in you. His authority in you. How many people have ever been called to go or give something that you just didn't have spiritually? You just didn't have it. (laughs) There's two options. Turn tail and run or lean on the grace of God and let Him do it. And uh, in the past week or so, Sarah Ruth and I have experienced this at at Mooresville Christian Academy. We're there in the mornings and we have our chapel service, you know, every Monday morning. And uh, this last Monday, I had asked Sarah to speak that Monday, and um, I don't remember all that happened on Sunday night, but it wasn't good. You know, we were definitely feeling less than spiritual. One thing that happened is our nice Cuisinart coffee maker literally blew a circuit, and there was smoke coming out of it. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, maybe you're more spiritual than I, but... Um, Monday morning with no coffee is a bit of a spiritual crisis, you know. <laughs> Especially when you're supposed to go teach a bunch of kids and preach in chapel. But nonetheless, we just, you know, like Byron's, just show up. That's half the battle. We just showed up. We got there. And Sarah just shared a part of her story of her life from a part, you know, a glimpse to when she was a young person and discover what it was like to actually have a re, uh, develop a real relationship with the Lord. And when we were done, we were like, well, um, anybody that needs prayer, you know, come up here. And um, school's interesting this year. There's a lot of new faces, uh, a lot of kids that we haven't previously known from a lot of different backgrounds. And um, one kid came up to me. His name's Jacob, and he's a 10th grader, new to MCA this year. And he goes, you know, Mr. Bollinger... Um, all my friends are atheists, and I've always kind of gone that way and have been an atheist, but ever since I've been at this school, you know, we've been only been in school four weeks or so, four or five weeks, and in these chapel services, I started to feel something. I was like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I was like, well, let me ask you a question, Jacob. Do you believe God's real here, like in your gut? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like, so it's right here that your friends have all the reasons why he's not real, right? And he just kind of grinned. He goes, yeah, that's right. So I said, can I just, let me, so I explained to him about being born again from John 3 and Jesus and Nicodemus. I was like, would you like this, Jacob? He goes, yeah, I really would. So I got to take his hand and lead this former atheist 15-year-old guy to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? And uh, then I, I got him a Bible, and I've been talking to him on Facebook about the book of John and, you know, answering some questions. And it's like, you know, 
if I went on my feelings, okay, and just to be honest, how I felt spiritually, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably would have looked to Mr. Mead to play more games in chapel that day, you know, or whatever, and I'm sure Sarah would tell you the same thing. We weren't necessarily feeling it, but just showing up is half the battle. If you just show up and have faith and believe that you carry the literal authority of heaven behind you. The whole weight of God is actually waiting to back you if you'll just step out there just a little bit. You guys okay? One more testimony. Sarah, come up here. Yesterday she had this mom come to her, and I wanted her to tell you what happened with this other 10th grade boy, right? I think so. Well, we had the homecoming yesterday out at the farm. And one of the moms walked up to me and she said, Miss Bollinger, and she introduced herself. I hadn't met her yet. And she said, I've been looking for you the whole, this whole time, but I haven't gotten a chance. But I just wanted to tell you that my son was absolutely changed by what you shared on Monday. And he, she, he said, you, she said, you know you're doing something right when you pick your son up, your 10th grade son up from school. He's got his Bible and he's got it out. Mom, let me show you this scripture. And she said, he shared with me the scripture, and then he said, and he went through this whole thing of what you shared and your testimony and what you were sharing about what the Lord did in your life. And then he said, and so you know what I know, Mom? And I do know this about this, this boy. He came here last year, and he's been through a whole lot. I mean, he was just a, really a wreck when he came. But he said to his mom, you know what I know now, Mom? And he, she said, what? And she said, he said, everything's going to be all right. You know, and that is just, wow, it's huge. And, you, and I'm, te- I'm here to tell you, when we were singing that song, in my darkest night, he shines as bright as day. Your love amazes me, Lord. It's so true. And if we will just give what we've got, even if to us it doesn't seem like it's that huge. And even when I stood up there, I, wasn't, I didn't have it all laid out. It's just while I was up there sharing, things were coming. And I just shared what I had. But God, like Matthew said, all of heaven's waiting. The deal is His love is so much more extravagant for those that are lost for us. It's by the grace of God. It's that amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. That we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the deal is is that His love is so much, so furiously just wanting an opportunity. If you'll just give Him like that much of a sliver of a door. This week when we were having this darkest night in our lives, for me at least... I was saying, I was at this point where I was in the car and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to speak in tongues. I need you. I'm going to cry out to you. Everything I was trying and nothing was working. Nothing was working. So finally, I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit trying to get to you because I know you really want to get to me. And so I just quit and turned on the music. And he came in in such a powerful, powerful way. And I was understanding that. The amazing grace. How sweet the sound. You saved a wretch like me. You, it's your love that put you 
on the cross, how much greater do you want to come in to our lives? You know, and so I just really do want to encourage you that in our darkest night, he shines as bright as day. His love is ready to absolutely amaze us, wreck us. And if we don't feel it, it's okay. He just giving that much of a doorway of an open, just knock it open a little bit. Just knock it open and say, okay, I don't even have it to get to you. But I'm going to open the door of my heart and say, here I am. And I'm just going to wait on you to come. <laughs> That's where I was at. And he came in like a flood. Like a flood he came in. And he changed where I was at. But it wasn't anything I did or drummed up or made happen. It was him. So, yeah. Yeah, I really do believe that there, the Lord is commissioning us in our hearts to just be a carrier of that light, you know, because that's what I realize in some of these experiences is that light really is shining. It's just you don't realize it. You just don't realize it. And did I mention in chapel, we didn't even have worship. You know, we didn't have any of that. And it was like, here's what I find. The world out there is crying out for an encounter with the presence of God. And when they see even just a little sliver of a glimpse of it, they are very, very attracted to that thing. You know? So just be encouraged in that part. Now let's stand. How many people just really need to feel the kabod of the Lord, the presence of the Lord? You just really need to feel that. I want you, if you're just hungry for that, I just want you to come up here. Just come to the front right now. And uh, I want, we want to pray. We want to pray for you because I know that God, just like the Israelites a long time ago, He hears the cries and the prayers and the requests of His children. And He wants to come right now and just touch you. Okay? So as we're dismissing today, I just want the presence of the Lord to come and refresh you if you need refreshing, to heal you if you need healing. If you're that person I was speaking to a while back, Come up here and, and just establish this connection with God. He wants to do that for you this morning. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the manifest glory of your presence. We thank you that even like Moses, you desire to come and, and, and develop a face-to-face relationship with us, God. To establish something so real, so felt, so permanent, so good, Lord. And Lord, we just love you. We thank you today, God. And we do pray that the light of the gospel of Christ would just shine into our community. That we would see revival and awakening happen in our generation, Lord. We continue to ask for that. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to pray. You're still welcome to come up for prayer. Otherwise, you can be dismissed or hang around and worship the Lord ministry team. Let's have some folks come on up and help me pray.